Hey y'all, I'm Kua. And this is Kendra. And this is the Black Gems Dive In Podcast. Podcast about inclusive cultures and everything DEI. Hey Kua. Hey Kendra. Well, we're here. We're back. We're back for I, another episode. We never know what episode. That's why we, I said we say this every another. We never know what episode, but we are back. We're back, and we always have some guests in the building that I just love to like talk to. And Absolutely, all of that. So, um, but before we get there, yeah. So we, we actually are going to do a little bit of a. We're going to dive right into um, a quick hot topic. Yes. Um, before we do that, we are here with a lovely guest, Dr. Mm-hmm. Seals Nevergold, um, who is really a gem. When we talk about black gems, mm-hmm. Dr. Seals Nevergold is a gem in our community. Yes. Super excited to have you here with us. Uh, we will get into a bit of an introduction, but we were going to jump right into mm-hmm. the hot topic. Um, and so obviously, well, not obviously, but we've talked a little bit about this uh, earlier, but Dr. Seals Nevergold and I have been tap to be on this regional council um, for a museum that will be erected in the D.C. area. Mm-hmm. Um, super excited about that. And this is the Smithsonian Smithsonian Museum for Women's History, right? Nice. And so in terms of the significance of that, what do you, what do you think in terms of uh, them building uh, it? Well, you know, women's history has been ignored for a very long mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And it's only through the efforts of many women, women historians and those who know the significance and the import of women, you know, on the history of this country, that over the last couple decades, we begin to see more and more representation of women in the history. So now, with the History Museum being planned, uh, it will put even more focus on on the contributions, I would say, and the achievements that women have made in this country, yeah. uh, and, and probably worldwide when you think mm-hmm. of it. Right, right. And I think, you know, the Smithsonian for Black American History mm-hmm. has, has been, and you, you visited, right? I visited. I've been okay. there five times. Okay. okay. And I know I still have not gone through everything. So the first time I went, um, it was the opening day. Okay. So that was just amazing to see. Actually, we got through the museum and the lines fairly quickly, obviously not being able to see everything because it was so much information, but great information. And then the last time I went, they added a room based off a reconstruction era, Ah. which they didn't have before. So I didn't get a chance to go through it fully, but that museum is amazing. Amazing. Yeah, I still have not been through it. We, my friends I and I, either. we I brunched haven't. in front of it, um, <laughs> you know, not too long ago, the, my friends from yeah. Black Student Union at UB, mm-hmm. shout out to them. But, um, you know, this just talking about the significance of history and mm-hmm. how important it is for us to really be able to tap into that information to understand where we've come from. And I know there's always talks around in order to know where you're going, you have to understand where you've yeah. been. And so I think that it's amazing, you know, amazing. Right. And even it taking a step back, um, Recently, I was able to go to the Legacy Museum in Montgomery. Mm, okay. And that was a little bit more real. Like, I feel like the Smithsonian side was a lot of, like, I want to say surface-level history, mm-hmm. but things that was really important, obviously, a lot of artifacts. But the Legacy Museum really dived deeper mm-hmm. into some of that history. Yeah. And my family being from the South, it was just really great to connect, even though it was just, like, you know, a history that it was very hard to hear and see, mm-hmm. um, but it added that extra point of connection that I needed to understand, like, where am I going in life, right? What is my purpose? So it's but really important to know. too, you know, that um, it takes money, mm-hmm. you know, it takes resources right. Mm-hmm. Right. to right. put up these museums. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the fact that 
the history is valued mm-hmm. now when yeah. it wasn't before. So that money is being put, resources are being put, not mm-hmm. only to tell the story, but mm-hmm. also to make sure it's told in depth. And so told it's not right. the, you know, the surface right and, and told <laughs> right. That's very true. Mm-hmm. So we're excited. We'll, we'll have more to come on that. Um, being on this committee, uh, the representative is uh, the assembly chairwoman, mm-hmm. uh, People Stokes. Mm-hmm. And so it's always great to work with her in some capacity and just super excited about what's to come. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Absolutely. Because it really is uh, a milestone. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So more to come on that, but um, we're going to dive right into some conversation, and I think this really sets the tone, right, in terms of talking about history, mm-hmm. what that looks like. Buffalo has a very rich history, um, and a lot of it, I think, I, I think about like the Underground Railroad mm-hmm. and a lot of the stories that come out of that, and just mm-hmm. how Buffalo served as a connection to freedom for those right. who were enslaved. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you actually put out a story, and before we get into that, mm-hmm. I want to just Take some time to talk a little bit about you and your background mm-hmm. in terms of how you um, got to this point in, in that story. Uh, Dr. Seals Nevergold, we know her from a historic lens, mm-hmm. right, in terms of what you've yeah. done, the Uncrowned Queens um, Center of Excellence that mm-hmm. you've kind of erected with uh, University at Buffalo, right. mm-hmm. what you've been doing in terms of telling history and her, her story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I want you to talk a little bit about that and about yourself. Yeah, I mean, um, first of all, Kendra and Akua, thanks so much for inviting me today. I mean, it's really great to be here with you and have this conversation yeah. because we need to have these kind of conversations mm-hmm. so people understand about the, the legacy mm-hmm. that we have mm-hmm. in this community. Mm-hmm. And yes, the history um, the history is known to an extent, okay. but you, know, you said something about surface history. Yes. That, that's where we are. I mean, we know names, so mm-hmm. you, know, you, you know the name of... Um, Reverend Nash, um, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. you know the name of um, an Ida Fairbush, who mm-hmm. I just did some work on uh, as school teachers, but you don't know very much else about them. Yeah. So what motivated myself and Dr. Peggy Bertram to begin the Uncrowned Queens mm-hmm. had to do with a celebration of an historic event, the mm-hmm. Pan American Exposition mm-hmm. okay. in 1901. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in 2001, we're celebrating it and talk about women's history a women's group called the Women's Pavilion was putting together activities and programs mm-hmm. to recognize the role that women had played in the Pan American. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they asked us to join them and talk about black women. Well, neither of us are really historians and didn't understand um, that history, didn't mm-hmm. know that history. But someone told me about a protest rally mm. that black women had held in 1900. And wow. I'm thinking, what? A protest rally, black women? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, really? <laughs> and this is at a time when Buffalo's population mm-hmm. as a city mm-hmm. was about 352,000 wow. people. Mm-hmm. Wow. Do you know how many black people were? Can you take a guess how many black people? Out of 350,000? You said 350,000. 352,000. What would your guess be? I don't know. Maybe like 1,000 of that, 2,000? I was going to guess higher than that, like 50,000, 100,000, but... 1,600, almost 1,700 people. Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Based so, off of the research from the articles, reading, well, I was right. like trying to put it together, okay. <laughs> so this small, small group, yeah. you know, an even smaller group, you know, out of that population, mm-hmm. these women decided that they were going to have a protest rally, and what they were protesting was for something, not against. There were... 
two exhibits that were coming to Buffalo for the Pan American. Okay. Darkest Africa mm. and mm. and the old plantation. So I don't mm. have to tell you about those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But there was a third one that was curated by uh, W.E.B. Du Bois, mm-hmm. which was the Negro exhibit. And it was an exhibit that displayed all of the accomplishments that blacks had made in music and medicine and business and mm-hmm. education since the end of slavery in the 40 years. And they wanted that um, exhibit to come to Buffalo. Okay. That's mm-hmm. what they were protesting. Wow. So when we learned about that and really realized that nobody really knew that history. Right. Yeah. And we started looking at, well, who were these women? Mm-hmm. They were part of the Phyllis Wheatley Club mm. of Colored Women, mm. part of the National Association of uh, African American Women started in Buffalo in 1899. Okay. Um, we thought, wow, this is some stories here, yeah. mm-hmm. but we don't know them. We don't know who these women were other than Mary Burnett Talbert. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we started looking for these women, and we also found that there were some women who had made history beyond that time, like Cora P. Maloney, mm-hmm. the first African American woman, first African American, really elected to the Common Council. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But again, people know the name, but what about the woman yeah. and her history and her mm-hmm. legacy? So that started us to be, you know, to begin looking for these women to invite the community right. to submit biographies and photos, and that launched the Uncrowned Queens. That's wow, amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> amazing history. You yeah. talk about the different names because going to the university at Buffalo, mm-hmm. there's a Talbert Hall. Yep. There's, mm-hmm. you know, the Cora P. Maloney College. And mm-hmm. so these names um, had significance for us coming mm-hmm. to school in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I think about Black Student Union and our connection yeah. to some of that history, but, you know, exactly. not in the way that you're telling the stories yes. now. Exactly. Yeah. So. Because, again, we know the names. Maybe we know, uh, I call them factoids. Uh-huh. Okay. We know a factoid right. about somebody. Right. Right. But that's not the essence of who they are, yeah. who yeah. they were, and what they, what they did yeah. during their lifetime and what legacy they mm-hmm. left. Mm-hmm. And so I have over the years, began to really look very closely, and very closely, it's researching, getting into depth, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of excavating, spending a lot of time on the internet and the libraries, Mm -hmm. finding out more information about these African-American, you know, um, uncrowned queens and kings, Mm -hmm. other than just a fact about, Mm -hmm. you know, they Mm -hmm. did such and such, because their lives were really very rich, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we'll we'll get into the article you wrote about the East Presbyterian Church, but Mm -hmm. one thing that I really appreciated as well was that you talked about everyone who was uh, a part of building this church, Mm -hmm. and you took took a moment to actually carve out a section for a brief bio for people and who they were because they were forgotten, right, right? and who they were. And so that's really important to tell that story as well. So that's something that I definitely appreciated within that article too. Well, I'm working on, on um, again, fleshing out more about these individuals mm-hmm. because, um, um, you know, I think history certainly provides a lesson for us about mm-hmm. what came before, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what could be done better, you know, what was not done well. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's inspirational mm-hmm. for yeah. me as well to mm-hmm. see um, individuals who fought against tremendous odds. When right. I say, you know, 1,698 people in Buffalo, mm-hmm. 352,000, mm-hmm. and you get a group mm-hmm. of maybe 50 black women mm-hmm. who are out there protesting mm-hmm. and making a difference. 
Which they got the exhibit here. Right, <laughs> no, right, like, right. And yeah. so they, they were successful yeah. in that end. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember those stories because especially now, I know I speak for myself, I get sometimes get frustrated, right, in the current climate that we're mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. currently fighting, currently mm-hmm. advocating for our rights, and it gets tiring, right? Mm-hmm. And so just to remember those stories and hear those stories, right. it's like, we can do it too. Like and think about where they came from, right, right in terms right. Of, of the just space that they were living in at that time, right. um, them in few numbers, but knowing that this was important to the community, important to mm-hmm. them. So they were mm-hmm. able to, you know, put it on their back yeah. and, and carry it yeah. forward. So yeah. they overcame a lot of obstacles. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. how did they do that? And, right. and, and so we need to kind of look at, at those stories because, again, they're instructive. Right. Mm-hmm. And they can be inspirational as well. I love yeah. that connection. Yeah. So, yeah, so as we dive into um, the article that you wrote for the Western New York uh, Heritage, well, it's in the Western New York Heritage uh, magazine, Mm -hmm. the East Presbyterian Church, the Forgotten Congregation, um, tell us what what sparked uh, your interest Mm -hmm. into researching about this church uh, specifically, and uh, what was your, I guess, motivation to to keep understanding and knowing about the people for the East Presbyterian Mm -hmm. Church? You know, when I started the research on this, I wasn't even looking Okay. for the, the East Presbyterian. I was looking, I was working on an article about Ida Fairbush, mm. the first African-American teacher. Mm-hmm. And she had gone to um, the Vine Street mm-hmm. Amy Church, which mm-hmm. now, uh, which actually Bethel Amy Church, Bethel, yeah. right, uh, was named Vine Street at that time. Um, and I saw an article by Dr. Monroe Fordham, okay. uh, who wrote the history of Bethel. And in the Bethel article, I saw something about this, you know, these dissidents who had left Bethel who had formed the East Presbyterian. And he said it was a doomed congregation. And mm. I thought, hmm, well, what does that mean? Right. <laughs> so from there, I started looking for the East Presbyterian Church. Okay. And found that those members that left, um, that left um, Vine Street and started East Presbyterian, about 10 people including um, a famous poet, James Whitfield, mm-hmm. uh, including um, the first, or I don't know, he wasn't the first, but he was a grocer uh, in the 1850s and the son of the long-term pastor of the Vine Street, uh, George Weir Jr., mm-hmm. and others. And um, they started this church. They, they developed it, and they had it going for 10 years. Mm-hmm. They built a new edifice mm-hmm. for like seven thousand dollars, which I get now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's several hundred right, thousand. Right, 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 right. But you know, they were very active. They were active in the abolitionist movement. Mm-hmm. You know, they were active in in seeking uh, equality mm-hmm. in education in Buffalo because we had a segregated school right. system mm-hmm. at that point. And you know, they were doing all these things, and so looking at the church and whatever, and then I found that. There was a problem with the presbytery, but I don't know what it was. Okay, <laughs> I don't know why they left Vine Street. Either. They, you know, um, Doctor Fordham didn't write about that. Okay, um, but when they got disenchanted with the Presbyterian Church, apparently they reached out to the Episcopal Church, mm-hmm. and they started St. Philip's. So ten years with East Presbyterian, and as Doctor Fordham wrote, it was doomed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it wasn't dead. It wasn't out and down because those same individuals 
decided, you know, no, we want to worship together. Right. Mm-hmm. We're going to maintain our spiritual, you know, connection. Mm-hmm. We're going to develop a new, you know, um, relationship, ecumenical mm-hmm. relationship with the Episcopal Diocese. They started St. Philip's. And in 1861, they began working as St. Philip's. And it wasn't really until five years later that they became a formally an Episcopal diocese. There mm-hmm. were a number of things they had to go through. Okay. But they still worked as if they were right through. So that connection, not mm-hmm. only the East Presbyterian as a separate entity, but the connection between Vine Street, mm-hmm. Bethel, mm-hmm. East Presbyterian, and St. Philip's. Is not made. So, mm-hmm. you know, when we talk about our history with black churches mm-hmm. in Buffalo, mm-hmm. we say the first one was Vine Street. Right. Mm-hmm. Second one was Michigan Street Baptist. Mm-hmm. And the third one was St. Phillips. And we lost a whole, a whole decade right. mm-hmm. of right. history by not recognizing that there was another congregation in between there. Right. Yeah. And the connections that were made between those congregations. And they worked together. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, you know, they realized that. There was more power, certainly, in coming Numbers. together sure. uh, and, and working collaboratively. So you had mentioned that there were, you know, there were, uh, it was a white pastor that actually mm-hmm. was over the congregation in both those in churches. The in the Episcopal church. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit more about mm-hmm. that? And in the article, you mentioned how enslaved folks were coming up to mm-hmm. Buffalo, right? Like they were seeking refuge. You talk about the abolitionist movement mm-hmm. and what that meant to them. But what is, what's the significance, I guess, of, you know, just thinking about that pastor mm-hmm. and, and both of those churches and how they mm-hmm. operated? Yeah. Well, in East Presbyterian, they, their pastor was black. Right. Mm-hmm. Presbyterian, right. African-American. Um, but when they moved to the Episcopal Diocese, mm-hmm. um, they actually were mentored by this white pastor, um, mm-hmm. Reverend Witherspoon, mm-hmm. who was the pastor of um, St. John's Episcopal Church. And he was not a native Buffalonian. He'd just been at, at St. John's for about a year. He was 24 years old. Okay. And obviously, and as I say, you know, he was comfortable juggling, you know, mm-hmm. two different cultures right, <laughs> working right, with them. Right. But he uh, apparently helped them to formulate, you know, the, the Episcopal uh, diocese, uh, the Episcopal Church uh, for St. Philip's. Mm-hmm. He served as the first pastor. Uh, and um, the relationships between mm-hmm. um, the the church and the pastor apparently didn't always run smoothly. Right. Mm-hmm. And at one point, um, you know, they decided it was time. Mm-hmm. They decided it was time mm-hmm. that they looked for a rector who was African-American. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that uh, St. Philip's is the seventh Episcopal church in the country uh, to be started by African Americans. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. You know, and you know, as you said, the relationship with Buffalo being, you know, one of the centers uh, of the Underground Railroad, right. You know, was was really important because, again, you had individuals in the community mm-hmm. in all three churches who were active mm-hmm. abolitionists mm-hmm. who were also, uh, you know. The, we don't talk about the fact that there were blacks who had stations, who were station masters, mm-hmm. right. so to speak, here right. in Buffalo. So George Weir Jr. Mm-hmm. was a station master. Uh, William Wells Brown, the famous author, okay. who lived in Buffalo for a period of time, you know, uh, helped many, many uh, 
former slaves and slaves individuals to get across the border mm. to Canada. Mm-hmm. So that piece of the story needs to be fleshed out more because mm-hmm. when we talk about um, you know Buffalo as a station on the Underground Railroad, mm-hmm. rarely do we talk about the African Americans who helped facilitate mm-hmm. the movement of enslaved people right. across the border. Right. Yeah. But there are. Yeah, and I think it's important too to talk about. You know, obviously churches um, serving as a mm-hmm. place of worship, mm-hmm. but also, too, as that safe haven, mm-hmm. that place to organize. I mean, we see it throughout history as right. well. We mm-hmm. see it now. And I think it's important, obviously, like you said, to understand that past because right. now you go to churches and it's like, okay, you have people say, oh, there's everything going on in the church. It's like, of course, because this is how we always right. operate. How it right? started. How it how started, started right? right? And so um, can you talk about a little bit like the – importance of the black church, um, you know, other things that happen within the church outside of worship services, why it's important for the black church to really thrive mm-hmm. and be around mm-hmm. today. Um, I think that's really important to note as well. Well, absolutely. I mean, the the church was perhaps one of our first community centers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? yeah. And mm-hmm. so the community center, you know, they provided all the benevolent kinds of activities mm-hmm. or many of the benevolent activities within the community. But they also were an educational mm-hmm. um so people learn to read by reading the Bible. Right. Um, you know, they help nurture uh, future leaders mm-hmm. um, by teaching them how to, you know, speak, giving them the, the opportunity and the platform mm-hmm. to become orators mm-hmm. and, and speakers. Um, you know, they help people to form businesses. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. and so giving them the experience of how a business is run. Mm-hmm. You know, mentorships were developed in the mm-hmm. church as well. So, um you know, the, the, the church was and is still mm-hmm. such a, a critical mm-hmm. uh, institution in our community right. because of all of the, the services and the supports mm-hmm. that are provided mm-hmm. within the church. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly at a time when we were in a hostile, right. hostile environment right. Mm-hmm. Right. where we could not go outside and access those, those mm-hmm. kinds of supports. Yeah. So thinking about that, we, we often talk about things like psychological safety and the importance mm-hmm. of having just that safe space um, where you can be yourself right. and in mm-hmm. the diversity and inclusion realm, we're often mm-hmm. talking about creating a sense of belonging and that mm-hmm. sense of, mm-hmm. um, you know, just togetherness. And yeah. I think through through the article, we could sense that as well, right? right. How that church played that role, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. the connection to community and what that looked like, mm-hmm. you know, I, and when we think about now, there's a lot of younger generations who don't necessarily connect in the same yeah. way mm-hmm. to church, yeah. right? So I think sometimes we're missing some of these elements, um, but there's also a lot of different resources that people can tap right. into at right. this point. You know? But again, you know, the, the spiritual foundation right. also because African-Americans right. have such, um, you know, a belief, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in, in God and Jesus, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. In, in a, in a higher power, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, but yeah. not even naming who that yeah. higher sure. power is sure. because we have different names right. than that. But, um, you know, the church was a critical incubator mm-hmm. for so many things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, without it, I don't know how, you know, we would yeah. have survived. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. You know, that's a great point yeah. for sure. Yeah. I know my grandma always says like, you know, we turn to YouTube and Instagram, right. you know, like that's our, you know, generation. But to have that connection is definitely really important, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. And connecting yeah. to people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Connecting to people. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think, um, you know, particularly as we look at the um, at the Buffalo churches, mm-hmm. again, you know, those critical, those those first few churches. I mean, they did not go 
they did not, uh, should I say, oh, they did overcome challenges, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you know, they, they were challenges internally as well as externally right, right. that they had mm-hmm. to overcome, mm-hmm, but they right. still survived. And, and so sometimes we also have to look at the, you know, some of the problems mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. were going on in the church within that, because obviously, again, the, the people who started East Presbyterian started it because there was a problem. Something happened. Yeah, right, in the right. church that they didn't, but right. they didn't want to name it. Right. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I haven't been able to find it. If <laughs> yeah. anybody listening to this has some old records, right, right. <laughs> let me know. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting, even from that dynamic, right? Like the internal issues that were happening while you're dealing with all these external mm-hmm. factors at the same mm-hmm. time. And I think mm-hmm. in our community, we're, it's still conversations that we have. There's a lot of mm-hmm. internal things that go on. Yeah. And we don't often want people to know yeah. right. what those are, right? What stays yeah. at home, you know, happens right. at home, stays at home right. in terms of right. that dynamic. Yeah, I want to talk but about. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah, or sometimes lack of resources. I know in the article you talked about, mm. you know, just lack of resources, money, financial things that are happening too. So that could have been, you know, part of the conversation. But um, I know you were saying that, you know, you didn't really view yourself as a historian. And, right. and mm-hmm. then around 2000, 2001, anniversary of Pan Am, um, you started looking into kind of the history of Buffalo. And so for people who are just really interested of diving mm-hmm. in and understanding where they came from and the history of where they live, where do they start? That's a great question. Oh, that is a great question. Um, I think, first of all, they have to realize they need some fortitude. Mm. Uh, it's it's not readily and e- easily available. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But now with the Internet, you know, things are more available mm-hmm. in terms of resources. So there are archives that are accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said, uh, University of Buffalo has taken the records, the original records mm-hmm. from St. Phillips. Um, the the uh, administration and the pastor there you know, saw the, the importance yeah. of preserving those yeah. records. Mm-hmm. So University of Buffalo Archives has taken the records and they're digitizing them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so now we're beginning to be able to access records, you know, that are digitized, um, a site like newspapers.com, mm-hmm. because it surprisingly surprised me that a lot of this history mm-hmm. I found in the local newspapers because they were covering not only were they covering the the black churches and the, and, and the black individuals, yeah. but those individuals were making sure they were being covered mm. because they would write press releases okay. and they'd send okay. them to, mm-hmm. to the newspaper and mm-hmm. say, print this, please, okay. <laughs> and such and such. So they were documenting. They realized how important the it was to document mm-hmm. sure. their own history. So they were documenting it. So the local newspapers of the time you know, really had mm-hmm. a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And now you can go to someplace like newspapers.com and search okay. for them. Okay. So that's, but you know, there's, there's, again, the, the the libraries as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Always joke around, say everyone does have access, does not have access to Henry Louis Gates, who does all these, <laughs> oh, you right. know, like <laughs> finding your roots and like the Black Church, which was a great uh, yeah. documentary too. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, not yeah. only yeah. that, but on access to his researchers. <laughs> that's what I'm well, saying. Too. Yeah, I'm saying. Right? Yeah. Right. That's what it comes down to. So, but yeah, just find your history and yeah, yeah. and yeah. and just be prepared to um, to look. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a long time. It does. Mm-hmm. It's it's not easy. As we mentioned, I've talked with some friends and looking at uh, you know some individuals, some historians who put out books you know fairly fairly quickly. It mm-hmm. seems, mm-hmm. 
Well, they have four or five or six researchers who right. are working yeah. for them. Right, right, right. Yep. And that helps a lot. When you're own, your own researcher, yeah. you know, writer, editor, <laughs> et cetera, right. it takes a little bit takes more time. It takes a little bit longer. Yeah. But I think that just goes to show, you talk about documenting history and the importance of that. Mm-hmm. You're doing that, mm-hmm. right? And I think for us to be able to access something like the Uncrowned you know, Queens is just really special. It's really yeah. special because of the connection here to Buffalo and what that yeah. looks like, but the stories that are told mm-hmm. behind it um, and how we can learn from that and take that in terms of the yeah. work that we do yeah. every day. Yeah. yeah. And you may look at things a little bit differently. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, right. when you know that, you know, such and yeah. such yeah. really had an impact on this. And right. you never knew that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, I, I think a lot of times um, – you look at this history mm-hmm. and you think, well, I went to school, you know, I went to graduate school, mm-hmm. I went to graduate graduate school, and I never heard this. Right. And, yeah. it, and it's it's right. somewhat infuriating to right. us right. that we don't have, you know, um, mm-hmm. more accessible history sure. that really does, um, you know, show the, not, not just the growth and development, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but also the contributions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that are made because there are many, many contributions that yeah. are attributable to African-Americans that are just not identified as such. Yeah. Can you talk about, I mean, just the importance of what that does. I'm thinking about young people, and we, on our last episode, are talking to, like, young entrepreneurs who are mm-hmm. in their journey. Can you talk about just what the connection to history really means to people, right? Like, as we know our own history, what does that do mm-hmm. for us when we have that understanding of what we've been able to accomplish over time? Well, I think it makes us realize that um, we're more powerful mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. than we thought we were. Right. Mm-hmm. You right. know, we're more contributory right. than maybe we thought we were. Mm-hmm. And not only that, there's that others who didn't think mm. we were mm. contributory, yeah. right. you know, or right. insightful or, you know, uh, having achieved, um, understand that as well. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that that puts people in a different light. You know, you when you see people um, and you realize that they've done X, Y, Z, there's a respect that comes along with that, you know, with that understanding. Right. So, um, and it's great to also have self-respect and Mm -hmm. confidence in realizing that, oh, you know, if these people did this, you know, and I think about, again, the women in 1900 who were protesting and so forth. Mm -hmm. And and I think if they had the, you know, the audacity, the yeah. audacity, not yeah. just the courage, yeah. Yeah. you yeah. know, <laughs> right. to do what they did. Why are we not able, you know, to speak out right. and, and yeah. address certain things? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so, you know, you know, I, I think it provides, you know, a, a mm-hmm. sense of um, understanding better mm-hmm. who you are, you know, and whose you are. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, I, love, I that. love that. Right? Oh, I love that. That was a little yeah. gem. That, listen, the <laughs> right. gem of the day, gem <laughs> of the you week. Are, who you are. I love it. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So as we start to wrap up, um, you know, we always ask our guests a gem of the day. And we've been talking a lot about history, mm-hmm. the importance of that connection. Um, but what gem do you want to leave our listeners with today? Yeah, I, I was thinking about that. and I And I thought, you know, here we are. A um, few days before Christmas, right, you know, right. and uh, celebrating a very um, holy and and and, and um, sacred uh, period, mm-hmm. and hopefully it impacts and um, people in a way that um, changes the way they interact with each other. Mm. Because certainly, in in no other time 
in our lifetimes at least, uh, we need to, to have, you know, mm-hmm. self respect each other, mm-hmm. to share a love for each other, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, um, uh, I guess, be at peace with each other. Right. Um, I also want to say on a very personal note, on tomorrow, Friday, the 23rd, mm-hmm. my husband and I will be observing 55 years. Of hey, hey. congratulations. And that's, and that's Happy historic. That's yes, historic. <laughs> Happy anniversary. You don't hear about 55 years, you know, right. in, in that range right. too long. Right. So it's historic. You know? Absolutely. They said we wouldn't make a year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and now here you are at 55. Right. I love right. it. Right. Happy so, anniversary. Happy thank anniversary. You, thank you. So that's, that's my... Um, oh, I love awesome. it. Golden moment. So yes. I love it. I love yeah. it. So how can um, folks find, I know we talked about the Western New York um, Heritage Magazine. Mm-hmm. Where can folks find this information that you've um, collected in terms of this article? And then Uncrowned Queens, right? Mm-hmm. And some of the uh, the work that you've done, where can people find that? Yeah, the um, History Museum carries the Heritage Magazine, but okay. I believe, I, I'm, I don't know where else okay. uh, they carry it. But I also want to mention that in March or so of next year, mm-hmm. uh, thanks to funding from the county, mm-hmm. uh, Erie County, uh, we're going to be erecting a marker, a historic marker, mm-hmm. at the site of the East Presbyterian Church, Amazing. which was Amazing. on Elm Street between North Division and South Division. Okay. And I say the site of the East Presbyterian because they had the church built. Right. Under the, the the auspices of that church, and St. Phillips, then uh, you know basically took it over a, yeah, when they became yeah. St. Phillips. So the um, the marker will you know uh, tell that story. Awesome, uh, awesome. And um, you know I'm looking forward to uh, publishing more. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Regarding that, and um, we're looking forward to some work on our website that we need to do to update it so okay. that we can put these stories on the website. What's the okay. website for folks that might be interested? It's <clears throat> the website is actually www.uncrownedcommunitybuilders.com. Okay. We started out really focusing on women. Right. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the men kept wondering where they were. Yeah. In the yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. added men to it. And when we did that, we thought it was more appropriate to call the website Uncrowned Community Builders. But the organization is, is still a 501c3 and it's Uncrowned Queens Institute. Okay. Gotcha. Awesome. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, thank you for sharing this. Um, I know we had been talking about it for a uh, while, so so excited to have you on and, and chat with Kendra yeah. and I. We will be definitely following the work that you're doing. And, you know, like I said, it's such a blessing to be able to get this history and download mm-hmm. this history because, you know, just access to our own history hasn't been something that's absolutely. been easy over time. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank so, you for the invitation and for such yeah, a pleasant absolutely. conversation. Of course. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you. And we will see you all next week. All right. Peace. Peace.